properties is the complex creation brought to you by infinitely complex production and sponsorship with peacefully flawed apparel where we believe that no matter the darkness you have the opportunity and ability to get to the light Thank you for tuning in to the Poetic Property Podcast. I am your host, Complex the Poet, father, author, and entrepreneur. Man, this week was complete, uh, completely full with ups and downs per usual, but I made it through once again, continuing to fight through the stress, the uh, the fog, the chaos. Y'all know how we do, man. It's uh, As long as we got air in us to breathe, we got to keep on trying to fight through it. Um, I've been kind of stressed trying to deal with... Uh, some medical stuff. About a month ago, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, which was real crazy for me because it came out of nowhere. But I've been trying to handle it um, and get through it properly with, with diet change and, you know, taking the meds that, you know, that they, they prescribed to me and stuff like that. Also, um, I'm finally back on my antidepressant, which is also causing, you know, some imbalances, trying to regulate and stuff like that. So I just kind of been going through it with uh, with my medical stuff and trying to stay healthy and trying to, you know, do the right things. But it's is it's getting kind of difficult um, as my body tries to regulate to the different dosing uh, doses of medicine, um, the different medicines in general, dealing with the now diabetes Um Plus, still dealing with the mental stuff, just trying to get all of that in line and still be present and stuff for myself, for the kids, for the business. Um, it's just kind of difficult. Uh, work has been what work is always going to be at this point, um, just com- complete with constant assignment change and duties and time frames and stuff like that. Uh, but I, I, y'all know me, I'm not going to sit and complain about it. I'm going to figure it out and, and get through it the best way that I know how. Um, it's just, it, it's a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm in need of a, of a serious break from kind of everything. You know what I mean? It's, uh, like I, I, I feel strong. I feel like I can get through a lot, but Sometimes, you know, I'm I'm getting to the point with my mental health. I'm getting to the point within myself that I'm I'm aware when I do need a break. I might not say it out loud uh, to people or uh, mention it, but I'm now aware. And so I'm at that point right now to where it's coming. And I am going to take one shortly um, just to give myself a chance to breathe from everything, just to to regroup. Um, you know, cause sometimes, you know, the meditation is not enough when you're still in the midst of the things that are creating, you know, the, um, the discomfort, the chaos and stuff like that. So sometimes you just need to break free from everything, even if it's for, um, a few hours, a couple of days, what have you to just breathe and, and kind of reset. And so I'm kind of reaching that point with everything, just trying to, um, line up the medical stuff um, and, you know, do what's right there. I'm like, I'm, I'm down 14 pounds since I found out, you know, that, or since I got the diagnosis, um, I'm trying to learn how to find the middle ground. And like I told you guys before, like, I don't have a middle ground with, with anything that I do, relationships, parenting, work, whatever. It's either I'm all in or I'm all out. And so with my health and now, you know, me being 40 and in, in 
and getting older, I have to be able to find a middle ground so that I can regulate my myself a little bit better. And so that's what I'm trying to learn how to do through all of this. Uh, it just sucks because it's it's yet again another trigger for me of another ailment or diagnosis that is uh, it's not curable, but you can manage it, right? Because everything that I've been diagnosed with health-wise like it's no cure for, and I don't want to like I'm not terminal or anything like that, uh, but it's just frustrating that how kind of not sensitive, but how fragile I have to be with myself uh, with certain things because it's no cure for is just you know I have to just deal with it as, as it comes. So some days you know both mentally and physically. I'm drained, I'm in pain, you know, the uh, the muscle, like uh, polymyositis is what it's called, you know, my muscles is like extremely tender, um, you know, sometimes I, I, I can't really move physically, but I have to force myself mentally to get up because I have to work, you know what I mean, I have bills, I got these kids, I got to make sure that I'm doing, you know, the things that I'm supposed to do, and, you know, kind of fighting through it, so it's just, you know, hearing that last month or a month and a half ago, it just was super crazy to me because for one, I'm not, you know, I'm not a crazy uh, sugar eater, right? Uh, so when, when it was said to me, like, cause it, it initially was said to me in 2021 that, you know, it was pre-diabetic or whatever. And I'm like, that's crazy. Cause I don't really be eating sugar and stuff, but on the flip side of that, I also don't read labels. So, you know, in my ignorance, I had no idea that, you know, certain foods, you know, turn into natural sugars in your body, yada, yada, whatever. And I'm a big pasta, bread, you know, carbs, potatoes, you know, type of guy. So it's like, I had no idea what that was doing, uh, what that was doing to my body. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm not eating a lot of it, but I am eating it consistently. And so I had no idea what was going on. And, you know, every couple months, you know, I do, I go through like two days a month to where I was just like, I would just go crazy on sugar because, you know, I just, I don't really eat candy, drink soda or anything like that. But every so often I do get a craving for sweets. Um, and so when it was initially said, I'm like, oh, that's crazy. So this, so for a good year and a half, like I had been having these blackout spells, like uh, this tingling in my hands and stuff like that. Like I would have the moments where I would sit there and I would like literally feel like I was fainting. And then I would immediately get like a, a recharge, right? Like I would literally be sitting there, my head would fall back and stuff like that. So I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm overworking myself. The whole time I had no idea, you know, that was a sign that, you know, I could have been gone, right? I, it could have been over for me because I just out of ignorance um, and because my doctor at the time, uh, luckily that that person is fired and no longer with the practice, um, but they made it seem like, you know, I was good. Like it was no follow-up, come in, it was no urgency or anything like that. So for me, because I am a hard worker and stuff like that, I initially just was thinking, yo, you, you just working, overworking yourself, you need to sleep. My new doctor was like, no, you, you could have, you could have died, right? Like this is, this is something very serious, yada, yada, whatever. So, um, now, you know, I'm taking these classes to understand what does turn into sugar, what I can and cannot eat, even the things that are so-called healthy and stuff like that. But it's just, it, it was just another trigger of, Hey, you got something that 
you can't cure for real. This is something that, you know, is 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 heavy in your culture, um, just hereditary, stuff like that. And it's just like, man, that just sucks because I have yet to, you know, and I don't want any of the ailments, if I'm being honest, but I have yet to go to the doctor and have a serious issue where they're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is this is curable. And so that weighs heavy on my mind, especially as a parent, because I often think, like, what if I don't wake up? Is everything set for my kids? And, and you know, do they, do they understand what's really going on? And so that's why for me, like, I tell them, right? I tell them what's really going on. Like, once I find out certain things, I'm like, yo, this is this, that's that. You know, this is what you guys have to be prepared for mentally. And it's not to scare them, but I don't want them to... I don't want nobody to have tell them if something ever happened to me. I don't want no one to have them, you know, my oldest is 17, uh, my youngest, um, my youngest is nine. I don't want no one to have tell them that something happened to me. And then they get older and like, oh, well, you know, dad had this, dad had that, yada, yada, whatever. And then they're reading up, researching and feeling like, dang, why dad never said nothing? Right. I talk to my kids at their at their level of their age and what they can process. But I am very open with them because it's important to me that they have their side of the story. And so it's just like this week, just kind of thinking about that. It's just it's difficult because like all week I just been like, yo, like, do I have everything in order? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it, it is. Like, where the money going? Do I have everybody information right on the paperwork and stuff like that? In the event something happened, do the kids know what's going on with me so that they'll be able to process it themselves and they'll be able to look it up themselves? They would, they're not going to have, you know, people uh, telling them, oh, no, we'll talk about it later or, you know, uh, revealing things to them as I'm gone. I've experienced that before to where I thought someone was who they were. And then after they're passing, you you learn these different things. And it's like, I don't I don't want that for my kids, whether whether it's difficult or not. And so um, I just been dealing with that this week. Like I've been really trying to keep my mind clear at work. And I just been like when I say I've been going with the flow of the changes. It is what it is. I it, It's annoying. But because my personal is so heavy right now, I just been like, yo, y'all, y'all got it. Like we, I'm just going to rock with whatever y'all ask me to rock with, do the best that I can. Like normal, I'm a, I'm a keep, you know, keep going. So, um, on top of that, um, junior turned 17, uh, this week. And I just was, was, I was bugged out all week because my, my baby is a, he's a young man now. And he and I grew up together. Like I, I said many times before, like when I when I initially, you know, got divorced, um, it was it was hard for me. I felt like a failure. I felt like it was my fault. It was nice that I was sitting, I would I would cry out of frustration because anybody who knows me knows that um that was the thing that I that that I aspired to be. It wasn't, you know, NFL, it wasn't, you know, uh like it wasn't nothing crazy like I've always wanted to just be a good father and a good husband right and so when the when the marriage didn't work out and I would spend nights crying like dang like I, I failed my kids right he was five at the time and 
he'd get up. He would he like he he'd know something was wrong, and he'd come jump in my bed with me and just be like, "Okay, Dad, you good? You good?" And you know, at five, it was really weird for me, um, because he learned like he would watch me, you know, make noodles like top ramen, um, and make little things and stuff like that, and uh, oatmeal like like microwave my oatmeal, and I and like I'm not even exaggerating, like five six years old, like he turned into the second parent, right? I didn't ask him to do that. He's a kid, you know, but I would get up and they would be eating. I'm like, what? Like one day I got up and he was uh, cutting um, my second son's hair, right? And I'm like confused. Like he didn't, it wasn't like a sneak thing, like had the chair set up and everything, had the clippers out. Um, And he was, he was like seven or eight at the time, right? And it just, like I've watched him throughout this entire process grow up and it just touched me because he you know he's 17 right and I always uh I always tell his brothers like yo like because him and I get into it a lot because he still thinks he's the second parent even when I tell him yo you don't have to do this like I got this like don't don't worry about that it's not your job to um, be their parent. It's your job to be their sibling. And, you know, I, I refer him to my brother duck all the time. And then I think about it. He's identical to my brother duck to them, like what duck was to me. Right. I don't want to get it twisted. Like I didn't know my biological father. I don't want to get it twisted that I didn't have a stepfather. My biological father was my coach. Right. So I saw him as my coach. I did never lived with him, never spent the night with him. Um, we didn't have a father son relationship like normal. He was my coach. The years that I played football, that was that my stepfather was I, like, I knew my stepfather before he was my stepfather. Um, but he's the one that, that raised me, but he's a gentle giant. He wasn't like really hands on, um, out like outside of education and making sure we had a roof over our head. He wasn't really hands on like that because he was working and just trying to make sure we made it through life the best, the best way we could. So as far as hands on stuff goes, it was my brother duck, right? If, if my parents didn't, didn't or couldn't give me any money, my brother did. If they didn't buy me any clothes or kind of things that I want, my brother did. If I was getting in trouble at school, he was the first line. And he was the first line like that I was scared of. Like, oh, man, I can't, I, I can't let him find out that I failed this class. I can't let him find out that I'm acting up at school. I can't let him find out I got another referral or I got a bet. Like, like that's just how it was my entire life and still to this day. I talk to him more than anything. My my disappointment meter doesn't start at my parents. It starts at him, goes to my kids, right? Because um, that's just how it is. So I refer my oldest to to my brother a lot because they're they're similar. My brother didn't have to do that. But when 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 we talk about my brother's keeper, my like he do he does not play about our brotherhood, and he does not play about me and doing crazy stuff and my health and stuff like that, right? And so um, I tell his brothers, like, yo, like, this is why it's important for you guys to communicate with each other the appreciation that you have. I know y'all brothers. I know it's difficult. And it's like, oh, my God, nobody wants to be emotional or yada, yada, whatever. But I tell them, like, it's important. So we went to see Creed three. Everything was was good. Um, we're getting ready to have pizza, yada yada, whatever. And so we're watching a video um, of the kids, you know, uh, telling telling him happy birthday, right? 
So, you know, the the youngest, he's he's the youngest, right? Oh, happy birthday. Thank you for being, you know, cool. Uh hope you have a good birthday. You know, uh my 13-year-old, thank you for being a a, a good brother, you know, just something random. My second son, which them two are 18 months apart, he has an emotional deficit disorder. He doesn't like hugging, touching, being like it just it, he don't process it at all. Um, he's one of them. Y'all love you, son. All right, cool. Like um, he don't he don't cry from from uh, pain stuff like he'll cry from fear. Like, and it has to be something like he feels like, all right, this is extreme, extreme. Like, but it's not like it has to be like for real gun to my head for him to cry um, or show any emotion. Like, I'll try to hug him as his father. And he like, look at me like, bro, what are you doing? Right. So watching a video and twin goes. Thank you for being a good brother. Thank you for being there for uh for me all the time that i needed you junior stops the video and we all thought he was mad because he start walking very aggressive and he broke down in tears and hugged his brother now i didn't realize he had hugged him because i had turned my back because I, I was eating but when I heard him cry, I said, oh, shit. So I turned around and twin looking at me like eyes, like deer in the head, like hugging him. And I had to like put my hand up, like, like, do not hit him. Just like chill. And twin is looking at me like if you don't get him off me, kind of. But they had a moment. Right. And it it bothered me in a positive way for two reasons. Junior been waiting for one of them to show genuine appreciation clearly since he was six. The way he was able to release that emotion to his brother without any words, but also the way that twin was able to suppress the 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 urge to punch him in the face for touching him. Like twin hugged him for real. And that was the first time twin has hugged anybody genuinely. That was the first time he had to be uh, uh, the nurturer. Right. And he like, he like, <laughs> when I tell you twin was freaking out, like he was freaking out, but he held it together. And it was such a crazy fast sporadic moment and so twin is like i didn't know i didn't know what to do he said i'm looking at you like bruh turn around and get him off me but i wasn't gonna push him because he said i thought he was about to hit me at first because he was looking down at his phone he said but when he hugged me i like it was natural instinct he said and i'm looking at you for you to get him i said i figured that's why when I turned around, I put my hand up, like, do not hit him. It was just a crazy moment, right? And it, 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 it made me start to, to think. All this time, um, 
I tell them how to process their emotions and, and not tell them, but I try to help them guide them through their emotions, right? And let them know that it's okay to to share. But I had this, this thought like everyone doesn't feel emotionally safe with everyone. It's rare that I feel completely safe with anybody, right? Like this, it's been a struggle my entire life. From what I could remember, like, like feeling like 100% safe with anybody has been a struggle for me. And so in that moment, as I'm looking at them and, and realizing this was the first time in 17 years, this was the first time in 15 years that they felt emotionally safe with each other. Twin had no idea. He even said, he was like, did I say something wrong? Like, like what happened? Like, like, like what, 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 what went on? And so I had to let him know. I said, see, your brother don't ask for appreciation. He's not one of them people who are like, I'm going to do this for you, for you to say thank you. I'm just doing this because I love you. You my guy. I'm like, like I told y'all before, certain things that, um, I'll be like, no, you're not, I'm not doing that. Right. Next thing you know, I'll come home or come out of my office and you know, the, the little three or the younger three will have the thing that I said no about. And I'm like, how you get that? And they're like, Oh, junior got it for us. Like what? I said, no. Like, well, you didn't say we couldn't ask. And I'll look at him and he's just like, he just smiles and just goes on with his, with his day. But like I said, he feels like he, they second parent. And if it's not detrimental to health or freedom, he gonna, he gonna do it. Right. Ever since he got a job, like I had calculated how much he's made since he had a job and I calculated how much he has spent on his siblings. And I'm like, bro, it, it, like low key, it don't make no sense, but whatever. Right. But then in that moment, I realized it's rare. Right. It's rare to feel emotionally safe with people like without feeling the anxiety and the discomfort of judgment. It, it's hard. And. I'm trying to get them to have a certain level of discernment and a certain level of understanding with each other so that they can reach that, that opportunity to have someone like for me, I've gone over uh, like multiple times, the need for humans to feel right. And to express emotions. I also talk about the damage caused when you suppress it and you don't have that outlet, the mental battle that you go through of, I feel like this, but I have nowhere to put it. I don't understand it for real. And understanding comes from actually releasing the emotion and getting feedback, whether it's good or bad. This is how we learn how to process emotions. We can't learn how to do it ourselves. We can't be emotional with ourselves without, um, without any conflict, without any confusion, right? Without any, without any peace, because we don't know if that emotion is being processed correctly or not. So we need people, we need things to be able to express the emotion too, so that we have feedback and we have understanding to, to, to get us through. Um, I learned, excuse me, a therapist alone is not going to cut it. Right. And y'all know I'm, I'm big, big, big on therapy. I'm big on, you know, getting that hour a weekend if you can, a, a couple hours, whatever you can get in. Y'all know I'm big on that. But it's something that I realize in in my sessions that I have 
uh, for myself and in the sessions that I have to where I'm coaching someone. It's something that I realize. A therapist alone is not going to cut it, right? Even though, even, like, we, we try our hardest to, to tell the entire story. We try to tell the thing that, that we did. We try to tell the thing that was done to us. And we really, we, we, we try to give it up in those, in those sessions. We do our best, right? Like once we're really comfortable, we really do our best to give our accounts of what happened, of what, you know, what we went through, what we're going through, what we're fearful of, of happening in the future. The reality of therapy is that they can only help you through what you say. They can only help you through the action of the other person and how you should uh, try to process that action and get through it, right? They don't know the other person, the context, the characteristics, the mental, uh, the mental state of that person who did the action. So the help is never going to be complete. It's never going to be complete because they don't have that person, um, there with you to tell their account of how they feel, how those words made them feel, how your actions, etc. That's why for me, it's like, all right, in, in, in my life where I'm at now, right, when I'm dealing with people and there's some type of conflict or chaos or what have you, my goal is to, because I'm big on therapy and I do it myself, my goal is that the other person also is in some form of therapy and they, you know, have their point of view, yada, yada, whatever. And then if the relationship is worth it, uh, the friendship is worth it, you come together, you know, mediator type style so that both parties could say how they felt, yada, yada, whatever, and so that you can process through it. Otherwise, you know, the, the therapy is going to always be incomplete. Right. Um, so for me, when I'm even, when I'm doing my sessions, because I'm aware of that when I'm doing my one-on-one sessions with people, I don't like, I care about people doing stuff to you. I care about how you got here, but I focus on my person that I'm actually coaching. I don't like, I stick to that point from inside out so that they can create a defense mechanism more than they can, more than giving them the artillery to go and attack that person because of this, this, and this, right? I'm very big on that. Like, if it's abuse, do what you got to do, like, to defend yourself. But if it's mistakes and stuff like that, I'm not giving you that ammo to go and say, well, my coach said da 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 No, I'm going to focus on you because I don't know where that person's mind state was when they did what they did, right? And so we have to start really thinking about our emotional safety and how we want to handle that. Um, there's a psychotherapist named John Amadio, and he says in one of his articles, um, feeling emotionally safe means feeling eternally relaxed with the person. We feel free to let down our guard and show our authentic self, including our hurts, fears, and longings. When we feel safe with a person, we don't need to be so defensive because there is little to defend against. As we feel consistently held with respect, kindness, and caring, we relax with a person. As we trust that our partner or friend has the intention, interest, and capacity to see us, hear us, and understand us. Even if they fall short sometimes, we relax more and more with them, which strengthens the foundation for intimacy. Intimacy is, all, is not always sex. It's not always romance. 
there is intimacy between friends. And I mean, guy, guy, girl, girl, that is genuine intimacy in the moment of caring, loving, and, and helping your friends process things and go through things, right? Um, in that, along with therapy, like you guys know, I always say, I always talk about isolation, but I always on the flip side say, if you do have a proper support system and you feel safe with, you need to do that. Like we all need a person or, or, or people who know us fully, right? How we speak, how we move, our character, you know, what we tolerate and what we don't. We always need somebody like that in our corner that we can tell our deepest stuff to and not feel embarrassed about or not feeling judged. And in the event that you, you like I tell you guys all the time, my guy DW, he's very open about being judgmental. The difference between him judging and normal people judging is what I see about him, he judges from constructive criticism space. His judgment is to help you grow. It's not him sticking his nose up at you. And I think we all need to learn to have that in our arsenal, to judge from a place of love, to judge from a place of help, not from a, a snobby position or not from a, I'm better than you, right? Like, I tell you guys, uh, I don't deal with people who don't, like, if you haven't experienced the thing that I'm looking for knowledge on, I can't listen to you tell me about hypotheticals. Because you're telling me something you assume, not something that you went through. So if you are judging me from a place that you that you haven't been through, I can't listen to you. And I'm always going to take offense to that as critical judgment because you haven't experienced it. And you're telling me a period, uh, you're telling me an opinion that you probably gain from still watching other people, watching something on TV, yada, yada, whatever. It's just certain things that I'm not going to allow your judgment on. Like for instance, you know, for like when it comes to my kids, I'm a firm believer. If you don't have kids or interact with kids, you don't tell me nothing. I'm not listening to you. It, it just is what it is. If you're not an active aunt or uncle, if you don't work with kids, and I'm not talking about administrative, I'm talking about the day-to-day, hands-on, attitudes, emotions, anger. Like, if you don't do that, if you're not a parent or grandparent that is actively involved with your, you would show people day-to-day, I cannot take advice from you. I don't care how many books you read. I don't care how much you feel like you know about, uh, uh, about uh, kids or what have you. If you have not experienced the day-to-day of a child's growth, I can't take that from you. I know that's very harsh. I know that some people will be like, that's stupid or what have you. But no, I, I just can't. I can't tell you, oh, I read this, I read that. I don't know the different caveats of the situation. I don't know, you know, if this, then that. All I know is this book say, boom, 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 do that. And those books are not a, a one for all. So I, I look at that in, in all around life, all around life. You know, what my friends will work in, 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 even with the kids. It's certain things the kids be talking to me about, and I'm honest with them. Hey, man, I never did that before. All I can give you is what, what Google has to say about that particular thing because I never did that before. Like, I'm, I'm going to keep it a buck. I can't help them with their math right now. I have zero clue what Common Core is. 
That's one of the biggest reasons why I hate it. How am I supposed to help my child with homework when you guys are changing math to something that I've never done? I could I could go and I could could read their books and read the examples, yada, yada, whatever, but I have no idea what it is. I know two plus two is four. That's what I know. I know a little bit of algebra. I know a little bit of trig. I know a little bit of calculus. All this seven times three is 56 carry to two minus three plus the answer is three. Uh, no, I don't I don't know what that is. We're going to get an F if you if I'm helping you. So I tell my I, I like I tell my oldest because he started with regular math and switched to common core and he was struggling. I had no idea. So I'm look I'm relying on twin twin. You've been in common core the entire time. Help him, bro. Now both of them have good math grades. When I was helping, my guy was getting a, a D, a C at the most. Twin helps. Now he get an a, or twin helped a good amount of time. Now Kev understands it and, 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 and it's there. So we all need that person that, that knows us, that's been through the experience, that can actually guide us because they know what's going on. And we need to be the reason why it's it's, it's imperative that we have those people, right? I say all the time, I don't, like, my people check me. I never want to be the guy to get on this podcast. I never want to be the guy that makes these posts on social media. And somebody hit me up that knows me in real life. Be able to call me and be like, why are you fronting? Why are you making up shit? So I'm very cognizant of what I say, even when I'm even when I'm expressing my experiences of what people did to me, said to me, how they hurt me. I'm very cognizant of how I say that information because I have people who know the real truth. I have people who know both sides of the story on purpose. I told I, I told you guys when I was going through the 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 the, the breakup with with my ex. I'm telling my brother, my brother that is like my father to me, and I'm going on and on and on and how I feel and da 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 da. And I can't believe she left me. She don't talk to me. like I'm going on and on. Right? This is my brother. He said, "What you do? Come on now, peanut. Like, all right." I feel you, I hear you, but, but what did you do? So I don't I don't have the luxury of of just being out here randomly on some yo, F this, F that, da 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 da. Uh uh my life was this, my life was that, or my kids is this, my kids is that, because I have people who I talk to about my kids. I have people who I talk to about my relationships. I have people who I talk to about my frustrations of uh, of employment so that when I'm out here and I'm saying certain things, I'm me. I'm me in every circle that I'm in, good or bad. In every circle that I'm in, and I'm, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to put myself out there right now. Whether it's my group chat, my Twitter, my Twitter family group chat, whether it's my spiritual healing group chat, whether it's my real life friends. My communication is horrible. My connection to like meaning trying to reach out to people is horrible when I'm in my fog. 
when I am in, when I am like trying to figure it out, when I am trying, like when I feel like I'm, um, um, pressed to the max, when I feel like it is, it, I'm at, you know, my wits end, I don't communicate at all to the point to where I get texts like, Hey, you better check in, bro. I am that way in every group that I'm in. It is nothing personal towards anybody. But if you get all of my separate friends that I have that don't know each other, that is one thing that they'll be like, like, you, yo, what's the word? What's something that irritates you about Kev? He'll disappear. He'll make himself feel alone when we right here with him. He don't fully trust that we right here with him and and we'll get him through. Like last year, I don't know, like I like I feel like and I know this is about to sound bad. I feel like the pain from losing Kennedy should be getting easier, but it's getting worse. Last year was really, really bad. Right. It was really, really bad. And. I disappeared. Right. And DW got so mad. He's like, quit doing that shit. We all know what's going on with you. It's no point of you trying to go through it by yourself. Nobody is judging you for feeling how you feel. But quit disappearing on us. Right? My homegirl blew in, the, in my spiritual group chat. She gets on, hey, I've been hitting you up and you're not responding. We gonna have a problem. Right? My brother Duck. Pina, what's up? We good? I ain't talked to you in a while. We I ain't heard your voice in a while. We good? My boy Mac. Hey. You straight down there? I need to pull up on you. So in every aspect of, of who I am, uh with, with my people, that's a flaw that I have. That is that is it's something that I I know they don't think they don't think so, but it's something that I'm working on. But this is why it's important to have people that you are your true self with. Because you need to have those difficult conversations. Hey, bro, stop doing that. I know you hurt. I know why you hurt. Da -da 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 -da. Sometimes we'll get into the detail of the pain, right? Well, my health stuff, we'll get into the detail of the health stuff. And it's stuff like, um, like I was telling DW and Tati, like, yo, like, Went to the doctor, lost 14 pounds, like da-da-da-da-da, I don't know what's going on. They got on my head immediately. Hey, bro. Tati's like, I told you, don't be starving yourself. And I'm like, but sis, boom, boom, nah, 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 because it's not it, it's not adding up what you're saying. If, if this is the amount of weight that you lost, that's not what, what the doctor said. Even DW, hey, bro. I quit trying to be extreme with it. Like, fig like figure it out properly so that uh so that you can get through it properly, right? Even when I tell my 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 boy Mac, hey man, look, this is this that you know, this is how I feel, this that and the other. Like depending on what it is, he gon' hey, fam, you got to get it together. You got to keep it together. And his like, <laughs> his phrase is like how I tell y'all when I'm when it's about to go down. I'm like you sure, like you sure you want to do this? Because once I get to that point, I I process the entire situation and. Whatever's about to come after that about to be crazy, right? His thing for me is like when I'm, t when, I'm when we're having our conversation, when we're having our real conversations about whatever I'm going through, his thing is, do I need to pull up? It's certain times I'd be like, nah, he, and he'll like, I'm going to pull up. 
because at certain times that he just got to lay his eyes on me to make sure because he knows that I don't want to stress him out. Right. My brother knows I don't want to stress him out. So at certain times that I'll 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 tell them what's going on, but. I'll be able to control my tone. I'll be able to focus on my wording properly as to not trigger them into the worry that they have for me. So that's why it's important that you have those people because they're going to know and they're, oh, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull up, right? Um, with that, you know, like I said, the ther- the, the having just a, therapy, a therapist, the breakthrough is minimal, right? Because we go into therapy and if we're all honest, we go into therapy with this win-loss idea. We go in there wanting our therapist to tell us we were right about feeling this way um, and the other person was wrong, you know, in turn giving us this idea that we won and we can go back and we can tell the person, oh, my therapist said this, boom, 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 I won and you was wrong and you need to apologize. And that's where we lose that. Because it's not about winning and losing. It's not about having the upper hand in the argument. For me, it's about healing and growing. So I don't care if I was right or you was wrong. The pain is still there. The conflict is still there until we can reconcile the issue at hand for real, right? I know when I'm wrong. I know when I'm right. It still doesn't fix the conflict. So I'm not in here looking for someone to gas me up to tell me that I was right in my thought process. I'm not looking for someone to check me to tell me I'm wrong. I'm looking for someone who can allow me to have my freedom to release all of this and free myself from it without malice and without hate. Because that's my biggest thing for me. I've always, like when I was in my super spiritual journey, I've always prayed, Lord, please give me the strength not to care properly. Not to be dismissive, not to be angry, not even to be hurt. Give me the ability not to care about the things that I am not supposed to care about. So now uh, a lot of my mannerisms come off as nonchalant because I don't care. And when I say I don't care, I don't mean it in a mean way. It's just not for me to care about. I've been an empath my entire life. And a true empath knows the depression, the exhaustion, the pain that comes with being empathetic to your fullest capacity. So I had to send that to the universe. I need to only be able to care properly for the things that I'm supposed to be a part of. If I'm not supposed to be a part of it, if there is nothing for me that I can offer to that situation, give me the ability not to care so that I can move on and that I can be of service to the thing or person that I'm supposed to be of service to. Let whatever that is go so that they can get the proper help that they need. It's certain things that I'm, I just, I'm just not going to do. I can't, I can't do it. And so knowing that I'm not looking for, uh, for a hype man. I'm not looking for someone to be in my corner to tell me the, the right and wrong, right? I know the right and wrong. Right. Tell me how not to get there again. Tell me how to release it. Right. Don't gas like you're doing me a disservice by telling me, oh, you won that you was absolutely. No. Okay, I know I was right. Help me break down why I was right so that I can articulate it when I'm in the moment of knowing I'm right. And I don't have to make it an argument thing. I can say, hey, 
this is how I feel about this. This is why I feel this is something that you have to understand. This is a trauma that uh, that pretty much probably stems from childhood or previous relationships. I'm trying to deliver it properly, but your emotions that you're giving to me is making me defensive. And now all I want to do is fight too. That's what I'm looking for. Help me articulate it properly. I know the right and I know the wrong. Sometimes I don't, I don't, I don't know how to get there. I was watching, uh, uh, in, in, in uh, what was it? I was watching Equalizer right last night, and um, it was just a part where they sitting on the stairs, and uh, Denzel was um, about to just finish uh, uh, wrecking havoc on on um, on a situation, right? And you know, his friend had asked him pretty much why he decided that this was the fight for him and he's just like you know because i have the ability to help pretty pretty much right they're going on this little dialogue and it's the the lady says you know sometimes you got to do the wrong thing to get to the right places i've watched this movie a gazillion times i've heard her say that a gazillion times it never stood out last night i'm watching and i was like yo that's crazy Sometimes you got to do the wrong thing to get to the right place. I'm going to let y'all come to your own conclusion on that. But it was that was such a profound statement for me because I look sometimes at the arguments that I had and, and I was in the right. And I look at the things that I said. I tell you all the time, me trying to get my lick back on my ex, I was right in how I felt. But I thought I had to do the wrong thing to get to the right place. And so I cheat because that's going to get your attention, right? That got me nowhere. Getting my lick back got me nowhere. Doing the wrong thing to get to what I thought was the right place, it, it, it didn't work. But there's, there is situation to where I had to, I knew going off in the setting was the wrong thing. But I had to do it and, and sacrifice and, 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 and just, look, I'm going to take my chances right now because you're not hearing me. And I know in my heart of heart that going off and cussing you out might be wrong, but I know it's going to get me to the right place. I've been, I've been there many a times. And so that last night when I heard that, I was like, man, that's super crazy. And it, and it, it, it got to me. Because I'm, I remember the days of therapy looking for the cheerleader, looking for the, yo, I was right there, being offended when I was told I was wrong. I wasn't trying to heal initially in therapy. I wasn't trying to, to, to release. I was going there and I was looking for someone to tell me I was right. And then once I start realizing how, uh, how much pain I was still in, that's when I was like, I. This, this ain't it for me. This this not it. So for me now, I forgive easy. I f like when I tell you, you can like if you don't try it. If our conflict has nothing to do with you physically trying to kill me or my kids. Or harm me and my kids, I forgive almost immediately. If you cheating on me, if you steal something from me, if you talk, you know, talk down on me, if you if you put dirt on my like I forgive easy. In that though, I'm gonna remove you from me. Period. 
I don't forgive for the other person. I forgive for myself. As an empath, my mind is so fragile. My soul my, is so fragile. And holding grudges turns physical for me. It turns into heart palpitations. It turns into migraines. Me, you know, grinding my teeth and biting, you know, the inside of, of my mouth. Like when I get stressed, like I'll bite gashes into, into my cheeks just from grinding my teeth and being frustrated and knowing that I'm like, I got to forgive. I don't know what's going through your mind. I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know why you did that. But I know it's not for me. I know if I tell you you hurt me and you continue to do it, I got to get you away from me. At that point, I don't care what you're going through mentally. What I care about is that I'm not going to continue to allow you to do whatever you're doing to me. Because there is a difference between you hurting me um, and me forgiving and then you just consistently hurting me and me sitting there because now it's not your fault because you all, you're doing what I'm allowing. And so learning that through my course of relationships, through my course of, you know, um, just situations in general, I got to get away from you. I got to get you away from me. I love you still. I, like, I'll die for you. I'll, I'll be there if you need me. But I got to get you away from me because I don't have time to try to teach you who you supposed to be to other human beings. And I don't have time to uh, inherit your emotions on situations and try to fix it for you. If I tell you you are hurting me and you continue, that's a you thing, not me thing. Get your ass away from me. So I remove myself as not to affect my mental health, because like I said, for me, it turns into physical elements almost immediately. Like the goal for me is to leave a legacy, to learn, to grow, to teach, period. We are not created by chance. Even accidental babies have purposes. They have a purpose. And it's up to us all to figure out our own purpose. We cannot allow people to tell us who we're supposed to be. We got to figure that out. We have to find our own way. Like, we are not always going to be guided properly. Trust me, it's a lot of y'all out there that listen to this podcast that were not guided properly. We're, you were not nurtured properly. You cannot use that as an excuse. I hear so often, I was raised that way. I was raised that way. I'm set in my ways. You know it's wrong. You know you don't feel comfortable in that space. Do something about it. Quit being afraid to go against the grain because you was raised that way. It feels uncomfortable for you. I'm willing to I'm willing to lose everything and, and everyone around me if it means that I am at peace with myself. If it means that my kids could look at me with love, with peace, with integrity, with good character and, and stand on that. And nobody will be able to tell my kids any different. I'm willing to lose everything to be able to stand on my peace. Our minds are the most important things outside of our beating hearts. If we don't feed it and protect it properly, we end up lost on a journey to nowhere in a hurry. And we have to understand the importance of our mental peace, of our inner love for ourselves, not from anyone else. Until we can give these things to ourselves, we'll find ourselves mimicking things that we don't even care for for real. 
we'll be doing things for the sakes of, of, of trying to fit in with others. Like it's nature though. We 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 yearn for whatever reason, we yearn for acceptance. We we want to be a part of the highest peak of the mountain. That's just how it is. I don't know why, but but that's just how it is. We have no clue how to actually get there. We don't know what it really takes. We just look at pictures online. We just look at pictures in magazines and say, oh, that's goals. We don't know the fights. We don't know the, the bankruptcies. We don't know the broke days. We don't know the hungry days. We don't know none of that. We don't even know how to maintain that thing that we want for real. And that be a problem, that 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 be the problem with a lot of us in our mental health. We see these vacations, we see this love, we see all that. We don't know the fight it took to get to that point of peace. And we don't even know if that's the real point of peace. A lot of these people that be in magazines, that be posting stuff, a lot of these people getting paid for that. If you paying me millions of dollars, I could look happy too with anybody. I can look happy with my most hated enemy if the money is right. So I don't look at that stuff uh, and say, oh, those are goals because I don't know what it, I don't know what it took to get there. We don't know the pain that come with that. This, the, the, like the deception that you have to pull off on social media, in movies, in TV, in magazines, to make the audience feel like this is the place that you want to be is crazy. I'm reminded of, of that movie, The Truman Show with Jim Carrey. And he had this, this basically, you know, this perfect life. And he didn't understand, like, it, why it was so perfect. Why everything just happened on time, every day, to the minute, to the second. And then he started thinking about it like, yo, something is, is not right. There's no way that there's this much perfection in life. And he started seeking understanding of why he started trying to get out of it. He started trying to to just be free. And the battles that he had to fight to break free from that, the fears he had to face, like uh, in a movie, he was scared of water because uh, uh, early on, like his dad died, like uh they made his fake dad die on a boat trip to, to make him fearful of water so uh, he wouldn't try to go to another island, yada, yada, whatever. But he had got to the point where he was willing to risk his life to see what was out there. He was willing to go to the ends of the earth for his freedom, for his peace. And that movie, like, I know it's supposed to be, you know, a dramedy or whatever, but I get so emotional watching that movie, you know, now as an older adult and seeing that's how life is of us just trying to break free of societal standards. Of us trying to break free from the pact and just live the life that we want to live and deal with the ridicule and deal with the pain and deal with the with the chaos that comes and people talking about you. Oh, you think you're this. You think you're better than us because you're trying to do this. You're trying to do that. And it's like, no, I, I, I'm I trying to be a better me. I'm not trying to be better uh, better uh, than you. I'm not even in competition with you. I don't even see you on the on the field. I'm on this field by myself, trying to better my time, trying to better my strength, trying to trying to uh, get my mental stronger. So it, it uh, so so, I knowing that I look and I say, what is emotional safety? What are you willing to do to achieve it? What steps are you willing to take for the greater good of you and your well-being? For me, I offer a safe place for my people and I demand the same with the people I consider my folks. 
And a safe space to me is is a, a, a free-for-all. You can come in this space and you can do, say, whatever you want to. Um, I mean, of course, not detrimental to either of us. Like, like don't come here trying to harm or whatever, right? So with that, for me, I practice, uh, practice active listening because it's an integral part of any relationship. Sometimes people don't want to hear a response. They don't want everything to turn into a therapy. They just want to be heard. And active listening allows you to do that in a healthy way. You're able to hear details and emotions and be prepared to acknowledge what you heard from a place of help and not of defense, right? I'm very transparent, sometimes to a fault, and I expect transparency in return because being open and honest with each other is a crucial way to build emotional safety, right? Be non-judgmental. In the event that you are judgmental, make sure it's constructive. Sometimes it's hard, especially if you wilding out or your friends be wilding out not to judge, but give your best or if you do judge, like I said, be constructive with it. In all that you do with your people that you want emotional safety from and you give emotional safety to, always show kindness. Always. Read the room. Be considerate of context and delivery. I'm not saying walk on eggshells. I'm not saying that at all. But emotional safety should be a place to reduce triggers, not a place where more are added. Lastly, for me, and this is the most difficult thing for me. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna hold you. For me, the most difficult thing I think for relationships of all kind, friendships, romantic, business, is setting and respecting boundaries, and we all far short of this. It's something that we have to all handle way better. But this comes with communication and understanding. Boundaries scare people because you stop them from being able to do the hurt that they've been doing, right? A lot of people don't realize that it's hurt that they're causing, but they don't, and they don't realize that you are, you have become their punching bag per se until you're like, Hey, like enough is enough. They lose it because they don't have that thing that to them they thought was harmless. They're not realizing it is harming you. So when you set that boundary, like, hey, you're not, I can't allow you to do that no more, then that's when the you tripping, you change, you this, you that. Yeah, I did change because now I feel the pain of it. For whatever reason, I didn't feel it at first. For whatever reason, it didn't bother me at first. But now it does. And I can't allow you to do that because it's affecting my peace. It's affecting my mental. It's affecting my health. So being able to set those boundaries and stand on it, right? but also being able to respect people's boundaries. Like for me, like uh, my kids have boundaries and it's boundaries that I help them set for themselves. Like I don't just bust in their room, right? I knock on their door, I wait for them to say, come in. I know that's crazy. When I'm talking to my kids, I say, please, I say, thank you. A lot of people don't do that. They have this attitude. I brought you in this world. I can take you out. They have this attitude to where you my kid and you going to do what I say, how I say it. When I say it, I allow my kids to be like, no, nah, I don't feel like doing that. I allow them that. All right, cool. You don't feel like doing it right now, but I need you to do it within a couple of days. 
I need you to, all right, cool. You can chill right now. You know, a lot of times, like, I'll come and I'll see certain things not done around the house. There's a lot of times that I get mad and I'll, I'll take their their uh, electric cords and da-da-da-da-da. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. But sometimes I'll be like, you know what? You just was at school eight hours. I know you frustrated. You had a hard day. Hey, when you finish that game, I need you to boom, boom, boom. There's a level of compromise. Yeah, they're my kids. Yeah, I brought them into this world. Yes, I'm responsible for them. No, they don't pay no bills. But they're human beings, and I need them to be prepared for the world that they're going into, not be prepared to be in my house 24-7 all day. So I have to give them a certain level of respect. They have to earn a certain level of respect on certain things. So it's just it, it's, it's one of those things to where you have to have a level of understanding. You have to... to appreciate people's boundaries you have to set your boundaries and not like a lot of us will set boundaries and then we start feeling sad because it's like dang like should i should i let them do that still should i let them say that still is it really that bad i'm strong enough to handle that but the reality of it is no you're not because you're you're putting extra stuff on your plate that you don't have to you can't keep living like that. We all need and deserve emotional safety. Remember, we got to go through something to get somewhere. I'm glad y'all able to do that with me. Yo, thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Head over to peacefullyflawed.com for your Poetic Properties merch. Get a copy of King's Collective. It's a book of poems. Actually, all things complex are over there, www peacefullyflawed.com get a, a copy of second power which is one of my favorite poems one of my newest poems um if you want to support the podcast go and download good pods it is a podcast playing app i'm telling you you won't be disappointed um it's one of the best for me it's one of the best podcast apps out there you can rate the episodes right there in real time you don't have to really go searching through the page um, you can communicate what your favorite podcast host in real time. You also can leave a tip if you if you want to. So I have a tip jar over there. If you want to donate to the business overall, head over to uh, my Twitter page, The Complex. It's a tip jar over there. Um, all in all, I appreciate you for any like, comment, and share that you guys do. I told you guys last week, we are in 23 countries consistently being listened to, and I'm grateful. I truly appreciate that. So if you are one of the people who just listen without commenting, without liking, without sharing, I appreciate you. If you do like, comment, and share, I appreciate you too. Um, remember, it's all love. And remember that no matter the darkness, as long as we have air in us, we have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Peace.